0: You're no longer a flounder, sorry buddy. <laughs>
1: Congratulations! <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome to the Fish Nerds Podcast, smart talk about fish fishing and
2: eating fish. That's always interesting, usually funny, and mostly true. I'm Captain Sean Tibbetts, MainTunaFishing.com, and here are the nerds.
0: I'm Dave. I'm Clay, and anything is fair game. It's a good bet that you'll be hungry and way more polite by the end of this show. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to teach you bastards a thing or two about
1: manners. (laughs) Yes, the the Fish Nerd experience is uh, a well-rounded one at that.
0: That's right, yeah. So, uh, what's big happening in your life these days, Dave?
1: Well, the artist formerly known as Alive is (laughs) no more.
0: Uh was he known as alive well but now he's known as yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's terrible. that yeah that was a joke I know, but i'm still yeah, it's funny i'm i am i am less sad about prince than david Bowie right
1: although but prince was prince was one of those one of those artists that during the height of their of his thing i actually wasn't i wasn't a fan no, nah. and then afterwards I became more of a fan.
0: I, it's funny because Prince, because I used to work in, in music. I used to sell music in managed stores. And all my really nerdy music friends, like the people who went to Berkeley and stuff, mm-hmm. loved Prince. And they would talk about you know what a good technical musician he was. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, yeah, <laughs> never did it for me. <laughs> so can, can you sing a Prince song? Uh, Little Red Corvette. Oh, you know more than me. Yeah, there you go. No, <laughs> the, the, the only one I know is uh, is Kiss.
1: Oh, yeah. You
0: don't have to be beautiful. That's it. Yeah. That's
1: good. <laughs> so. Well, then there's, you know,
0: anyway, purple rain, purple rain. Purple rain. That's all. Yeah. I don't know any other words, though, besides like the chorus or like four lines of any song. mm yeah, yeah. That, but no, anyway, poor Prince. Yeah, poor poor Prince.
1: Yeah, the uh, Prince. When I was in high school, probably the hottest girl I knew was a big Prince fan. That should have right, been just, enough. That should have been enough for me. I, I don't know what the hell was wrong with me.
0: Uh, I did she look like him?
1: No, <laughs>
0: no, because because he's better looking than some girls I've dated.
1: Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Uh, but, yeah, so this episode, we're going to get into um, all sorts of things.
0: <laughs> have nothing to do with music whatsoever. <laughs> yeah.
1: da, 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 da. You ready, Fish
2: Guy? <laughs> <laughs> yes, I am. Amazing James. Fish Guy Josh, here we go. All right. Come, shark coming me. right off of our featured on the last episode that was, I know
3: We got a lot of airtime on that That was fun That was pretty cool
2: I loved it We're getting famous I got to go out with Moyle And talk about it after Right It was cool Yeah Yeah But uh, I am scrambling To get ready to go for vacation So I'm kind of going Into this pretty blind
3: I know where you're going But no one else does Alright Where
2: are you going? I am going to Belize For a week to, Son of a To swim with whale sharks Yeah Uh huh Okay. Yeah, yeah.
3: I, I beat you to it anyway. I went last year. That's cool. It was Mexico. It was nice. La Paz.
2: Yeah. I'll be in Placencia.
3: Just don't touch them. You're not allowed to touch them. I not know. that I, I, I didn't, it's, I didn't I'm,
2: touch them. I'm excited. Lauren timed everything. She like called the dive shop and got the two best days post-moon cycle to go, booked us those two days, and then we have two dives a day. So we get four shots at the whale sharks and then a ton of snorkeling in between that. And... I heard from her last night that she looked into maybe me getting booked on a tarpon fishing trip for a days. so we'll see.
3: Okay, you're bringing the recording gear (laughs) to be continued. So uh, yeah, the shark episode, here we go. We have um, some interesting shark news going on. It is shark Uh, time.
2: I have been seeing you scramble with your shark news. It's been a little crazy with sharkage. Yeah, sharks and rays. The rays
3: are in the bay. Yeah they are. They they started showing up. Um I went about four times in the last week or so and got snapped off by something a little too big for my my uh, my I, setup.
2: I see you're you're no longer uh saying an official uh weight now that it's been snapped off.
3: <laughs> yeah. I recall
2: your I missed a fifty pounder.
3: Yeah, I was only using twelve pound test though, so <laughs> maybe it wasn't fifty pounds. I don't know. I don't know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, there's there's probably at least one ray out there with potentially four <laughs> barbless I, hooks stuck in it. You and yeah. I have
2: both – it's off the subject, but you and I have both been uh, conquering our uh, new species list here lately. I, I've been – You've been doing the carp. I have been carping the hell out of some carp. And Seriously. I finally – And what's with the banana challenge,
3: it? by the way? I haven't heard anything from the guys about the banana challenge. Uh,
2: maybe because – they are scared to give us the results. I don't know. I don't know. Because I think we all know that you knocked it out of the park.
3: I did knock it out of the park. I yes. got a whole bunch of Jack's melt with the banana.
2: I, I did try some banana on the carp stuff, but um, it was before I had really fine-tuned my techniques.
3: Wait, I thought you said you used oatmeal-flavored like bananas. Uh,
2: Well, that was my the day that I actually got into the carp. Okay. Uh, I, was, I did make a pack bait, and part of the mixture was uh, banana-flavored oatmeal. I don't know if that counts, but... I think it counts. It was pretty fun.
3: I haven't heard anything from <laughs> the folks in New Hampshire and their attempts uh, at banana fishing.
2: That's because their fish nerd lackeys could have possibly taken that first challenge. Yeah, wonder. I think. Anyway.
3: Okay. Onwards. So, uh, I got to go to the Berkeley Bay Festival this past weekend.
2: Uh, I know, because I got there about an hour and a half before you did. <laughs> I forgot about that. To set up the fish tank. You did. You yes, did. Yes. I was there... <laughs> <laughs> At the Berkeley <laughs> Bay Festival myself.
3: I forgot about that. Yes. Strange. We were both there.
2: I like to blend in. I come in, set up the magical fish tank, and you yeah. know, it's like I was never there.
3: It, it is. It's amazing. <laughs> uh, we had a really good time with it, though. Um, so part of the thing was uh, a gentleman by the name of Steve Shirley was there as well, and there was a featured documentary film about him. And uh, I'm just going to jump right into the interview with actually the documentarian, Kristen Olness.
2: Okay, yeah, I met, I met her after the fact, and she was asking me for contacts about this. So, yeah, I'm interested to hear what you guys talked about.
3: Yeah, here we go. Cool. All right, this is Amazing James from the Fish Nerds podcast. Here with Kristen Olness, who produced and directed and did everything for a documentary called
4: Steve Shirley Shark Tagger.
3: And who is this gentleman over here? This is Steve Shirley. Oh my goodness, it's like everything has come together in one place. Down by the water in lovely Berkeley, California on the San Francisco Bay. So uh, just a couple of questions about the film. I got to see it. It's really cool. Steve, you're, you're a lifelong fisherman, yep. right?
5: Uh, when did you start fishing? I started fishing when I was about four years old for trout up in the mountains um, up above Yosemite National Park.
3: What got you into, into sharks?
5: Well, um, I moved down here in the San Francisco Bay area about 35 years ago and started fishing out in the bay. And if you spend a lot of time in the bay fishing, uh, sharks are a bycatch that you're going to come across all the time. Um, So um, over those 35 years, um, I developed a lot of information about where the sharks were and, and, uh, and how to catch them, the different tides, the different food that they ate and all that sort of stuff.
3: Cool. Kristen, how'd you find this guy?
4: Oh, it was kind of funny. I was at a party with my husband and he, you know, Steve works at, has his own contracting business on the side and my husband knew him and told me he did an interesting job. And I try to find people in the Bay Area that are self-taught learners and explore their passions and make short documentaries about them. So when I heard he was a shark fisherman in the SF Bay, I thought that was pretty cool. And he had started his own study and the cool thing about it is that he's a, a sport fisherman turned conservationist, which I thought was a nice um, angle on the story.
3: You know, I think it's it's something to make a good point of is that a lot of fishermen are conservationists a lot of hunters are conservationists we want to be able to get those animals and so we want to make sure they're around for generations to come
5: i would assume you would agree with that i totally agree one thing that a sports fisherman sees is the rise and fall of different populations of sport fish over a period of time and so being in the bay fishing for halibut and being out in the ocean fishing for salmon and stuff i've seen the decline of many species Uh, mostly caused from overfishing and environmental factors such as our white sturgeon so to continue enjoying sport fishing you start uh, becoming a conservationist catch and release the big fish that that are the breeders and stuff and what that does it it perpetuates the species which then allows you to keep enjoying that and passing on that sort of hobbies down to your kids and grandkids and so forth what's the biggest white sturgeon you've caught White sturgeon was about 283 pounds. That's a baby. Yeah, it was a baby. It was about eight and a half feet long. Long time ago, back in the late 70s, actually.
3: <laughs> yeah, I don't know if there's many that big around anymore. Sometimes we see them washed up on the beach, but that's the most I've
5: seen. Yeah, I don't even fish for sturgeon anymore. They're full of poison and stuff, and they're so limited numbers that I just feel like even even catch and release is chancy with fish, and so might as well let them be and... And uh, hopefully uh, increase the population over the next few years,
3: yeah the poison issue is a big one. I mean any animal that gets that big and lives that long in a bay like this is going to be full of something yep. yep, no good so very interesting. so you do other documentaries as well about life about, about self taught learners
4: I sure do yes i'm making one right now about um, self taught sound mixer for feature films and he's an academy award winner, and he I wanted to learn more about doing sound for my own films as well and i couldn't ask to learn from anybody else but the best (laughs)
3: right like what am i doing with my life seriously like (laughs) that's that's really cool that's really cool well good luck on that awesome how can people find out more about it or all your films really
4: well i have i i'm on social media i'm my instagram is um intrinsic that low hyphen uh lifestyle um I'm at Cape Dutch on Twitter. My website is com.
3: Very cool. Thank you very much, Kristen.
2: Very cool. Um, so that sets the scene for me because I was taking care of the aquarium when you were doing this. But where's the good stuff, man? I want to hear about the we, – we, we've met the man. We've met the filmmaker. Right? What are we talking about here? We're talking let's, about sharks. Let's talk about some sharks. We're I want to hear what this, this guy does. Right, here's what he does. Okay.
5: We founded Ocean Research Foundation, a nonprofit, about three years ago. And last year I wrote the largest shark study um, in San Francisco Bay history. It's called BASE, Bay Area Study of Elasmo Brinks. So we'll be studying all the common sharks in the bay and the bat ray and the big skate. Um, So that's the project we're working on. It's going to be a very long project, uh, possibly 7 to 10 years. And no one has ever done this baseline information study in the past. So we're actually keeping track of how many rod hours per fish is caught. um, So that over a period of time, we can show trends in populations. So over a period of years, you can see that the rod hours per fish go way down. That means there's a bigger population. And then hopefully scientists can take this information to do research projects such as what caused those sharks to decline that one year in population. Was it a lack of food fish? Was it an influx of cold, fresh water from a lot of rain and snow in the Sierras Um, or warm temperatures, El Nino? All these factors come into play. And I'm not the scientist. I find out all the information and give the information to scientists to do these perform these studies with
3: who's sponsoring you who's actually helping you out with getting the funding for it
5: well uh mostly so far it's been self-funded for myself um but i have clients that have pitched in you know about fifteen thousand dollars this year and i expect more of that this year and we're looking for funding so
3: and which researchers are you who are you working with research wise
5: so my partners my main partner is monterey bay aquarium um and we've worked also with uh, California Academy of Sciences in San Francisco, um, but Monterey Bay Aquarium, and I'm getting a lot of advice from Dave Ebert of uh, Pacific Shark Research Center at Moss Landing uh, Marine Laboratories. So he's a great guy, and and uh, probably the most knowledgeable shark guy in the world at this point. Very cool. Um,
2: I I love I love when just People who have a passion for angling, like, you know, get in on the on the fun of conservation. That's really cool. And not to mention, you get to work with some pretty, it sounds like some pretty awesome organizations, too.
3: Yeah, great organizations, great people. There's another person who works with a lot.
2: That he works with?
3: Yeah, yeah. Here, I'll introduce you to him. <laughs>
2: Gabriel, who's your dad?
6: Steve. Steve who? Shirley.
3: What does Steve Shirley do? Shark tag. What do you do with your dad?
6: Um... Many things like shark tagging motorcycle riding and and activities on um making computers and stuff like that
3: building computers yes, no way yes way that's pretty cool. You have a pretty cool dad. do you think you have a pretty cool dad? Yes, uh, tell me about your shark fishing with your dad
6: um we catch seven gills and leopards, but his biggest that he it went in the bay aquarium and it was four hundred and fifty pounds except it got released um, due to it going on the rocks. And he's caught bigger fish, but um, that's the one that went in an aquarium.
3: The 450-pound seven-gill, right? Yeah. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. What else have you caught with your dad?
6: Um, Leopards, leopards, trout. Wait,
3: wait, leopards? Yeah. Wait, actual, like, snarling cat leopards?
6: No, um, leopard sharks.
3: Okay, What, what else have you caught?
6: Rainbow trout. Rainbow trout and catfish. That's it.
3: What's the biggest trout you've ever caught?
6: A 14-pounder in Lake Chabot.
3: A 14-pound rainbow trout? Yeah. That's pretty sweet. That's one of our East Bay Regional Parks. That's awesome. Very cool. And what's your biggest shark?
6: That would have to be either um, a leopard. My dad helped me um, catch it when I was around eight um he he, i reeled it in but he technically caught it but the biggest fish i caught all the way was in florida and it was um i don't know the name but it was all black and it was what it was in tropical and you would and when you were catching those he was going for huge 300 400 pound groupers
3: is that what it was as a grouper
6: no it was uh um it was a huge, it was a shark around, same size as a leopard, it was around 80 pounds.
3: That's awesome. That's really cool. What's your favorite thing about fishing?
6: When when the fish takes off and you hear the zzz in the rod.
3: Isn't that like the best feeling ever? Pretty much. Very cool. All right. I got to go, man. It's been nice talking to you. Take care. Give me a high five. That was another real high five. Don't try it.
2: <laughs> he seemed really excited. What do you catch Sharks. What, what else do you he do? He's
3: 10 going on like 18. What do you want? 16. Well, you know, and he had,
2: you had know. a six foot plus guy with headphones and a microphone. He had a good time. Not going to lie. In his face. What's up, Gabriel?
3: Questions. Big shout out to Gabriel. Thank <laughs> you for being part of
2: our podcast, buddy. Uh, right on. That's cool. That's, that's a fun project to do with a dad. Totally. A little father-son shark yeah. tagging adventure.
3: Lots of things to learn when you shark fish all day long.
2: Yeah. So
3: Steve also talked a little bit about uh, technique and conservation ethic, which is pretty cool. Right on. Yeah,
5: and, and I think the most important thing to learn from from all this shark research is that there are different ways to fish for shark. So if you're a sport fisherman, I think it's super important to fish in an eco-friendly way. And that means possibly using a circle hook where you can, um, barbless, um, reeling the fish in as fast as possible, keeping it in the water when you unhook it, and making sure that it's alive and well and strong before you let it go. Um, and I think if you do those simple... Um, conservative methods when you're shark fishing you can actually enjoy it and uh and the sharks will live and keep going and you don't want to eat sharks in the bay because they're full of poisons and stuff so keeping it is a waste of of time and really harmful to the environment
2: we know all too well that sharks are no good to eat here in the bay that's
3: yeah that's why people stab them and you know like yeah mutilate well, uh, them and well
2: i was i was thinking more and of a light-hearted <laughs> oh i'm side sorry of it i'm sorry did i go it, into the it's not our, uh, lighthearted part it is one of the main um top of subject the food chain. matters that you're teaching the kids when we take the yeah. the fish tank out Yeah, is, we talk
3: about bioaccumulation and how yeah. the top of the food chain always accumulates all the nasty
2: toxins yeah but you know but man they're fun as hell to catch it's
3: true but then you get into the ethics of it and you see people who really don't know what to do when they catch a shark. They don't understand how to hold one. They, you know, they freak out when ray. they catch a bat ray, especially the bat rays. Yeah. You got to feel for them. Um, you know, they have a tiny little barb on their tail. You take them out of the water. They're like a slab of meat that can't do anything. Yeah. People are scared to death of them.
2: Yeah. Like you'd, I, you'd think that that barb was, Yeah, you know, their their electrified. Teeth,
3: <laughs> their teeth are hardly anything too. I mean, I, I, I once had one that was foul hooked. I had to stick my fingers down its mouth. And, I was scared to death of doing it, but the thing couldn't even hardly, like it barely moved
2: its mouth. Yeah. They have really interesting teeth. They really do. They're, they're cool animals. Yeah. Rays in general.
3: We used to pick them up in the bottom of the aquarium at uh, Baltimore. Anyway, what's next? Uh, you tell me, I don't know. Let's let's play this clip here. Okay. So what what can we do? What do you think we can do for just the general population who's out there actually fishing for, for animals? And maybe they're catching sharks as bycatch. Maybe they're purposely targeting them. Um, but what do you think we can do to spread the message about just letting sharks be?
5: Well, um, actually, I have come up with best fishing methods for San Francisco Bay. And it's a, a series of different ideas that will allow a fisherman to catch and release without harming the fish. It'll be up on my website that we're developing right now, and you can get to that at, uh, at researchsharks.org or oceanresearchfoundation.org or Um And I'll be giving classes at marinas and that kind of stuff for fishermen that are interested, um, attending, going out on party boats and kind of showing the fishermen on party boats how to do it and stuff also. Um, there's a huge difference in the way you catch a fish, how long you keep it out of the water, um, how you let it go and and all that, that just changes the the livability of that fish from, you know, 20% to almost 100%. And it's very easy methods. And I think people are interested in that too.
3: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'd love to help you out with that. Yeah, good.
5: Cool. Yeah, See, so that's, that's the part I walked in on
2: at the bay festival was you talking to him about the actual trip so all, all of that was actually very interesting i i it seems like a really cool project, but I want to know more about you and potentially me going catch fish with somebody so what what was that all about
3: Oh come on, I mean you and I can go right off the
2: well I know shore, we can right? but yeah. i I mean you, you know. mean actually go on a boat and catch a, I, I love like going out with other people too that are that are have like some sort of expertise in a specific fish like that's absolutely. really
3: cool absolutely i'm i'm hopeful we can do that i did ask
2: it sounded like that's what you guys were talking about when well, I, when i walked up i i don't <laughs> i don't know what you're talking about I, I think i specifically heard oh i can get you into some big fish
3: I, no i really don't remember hearing no, that i, I, I bet don't, you don't i don't sure yeah now you can go from shore right here
2: i'm sure i could yeah yeah but i bet you if you play this next clip I don't know. You might be contradicting yourself, (sighs) Do I have to play this clip? Yeah, I think so. I want to hear what he said. All right.
3: And Mr. Sharkman, when are we going fishing?
5: Well, actually, I've got about uh, 30 shark tagging trips planned this summer through uh, November. And we always take guests almost every time. So if you get on my list, we'll take you out. Um, So this is in... Take uh, a number, my friend. Aha. Uh-huh. Yeah,
2: take a number. <laughs> no, I'm going to jump on the bandwagon with you when you go. Okay. Yeah. I, I guess that's all right. Because That's all right. <laughs> I, in, I invite you to every fishing trip I go on. You just, uh, you're just you
3: going to Belize, last I checked. That's I, a vacation. I was not invited that's not to a fishing Belize. trip.
2: I'm going to vacation yeah. with my wife. But okay, okay. Every time I've tried to go catch carp, I've told you when I'm going and where I'm going
3: i got I got two kids,
2: I know you got two kids two, and you live two on the beach they're not so easy to they're not easy to fish you fish with. right outside your house i get i'm it. gonna
3: you know I'm gonna put a couple of photos out about the uh, leopard sharks the kids caught last weekend
2: right on by I'm, the way the fishing's
3: and, been really good lately cool Teddy, yeah I, I definitely Teddy want touched to... the pole and it bent over
2: wow,
3: it was amazing my yeah. two year old actually he's not even two yet my one and ten month old caught a leopard shark that's cool. it was pretty flippin' sweet
2: yeah i I want to do that here soon. It's I've had good times. We didn't catch any the last time we went out on the kayaks, but no, it was but, still fun.
3: Yeah. Yeah. They're hitting cool. hard at the beach. We should do it anyway. Right
2: on. So, all right. um, all right. So we've, we've we got the, the introduction. We, we, we got the core of it. We got yeah. some fishing lessons. Oh, let's
3: let Kristen tell a little bit more about how you can see this movie. Yeah.
2: How do all I right. watch this?
4: I was just going to say, as an indie filmmaker, I'm trying to self-distribute the Steve Shirley Shark Tagger video, and it does have the conservation message that Steve was just discussing. So if you're interested in using that for your classroom or for anything, um, let me know, and uh, just contact me on my website, com.
3: Awesome. Sounds great. Thank you guys so much.
2: There it is. All right. This is actually that turned out that's that's what she was talking to me about uh, after you guys finished up your interview was getting in touch with distribution and stuff it. so yeah hopefully she uh, hopefully I let her do a few yeah good ideas so if also. anyone
3: out there is an educator or uh, interested in spreading the word about conservation ethics with shark fishing Kristen's your person
2: yeah you know she she was concerned when I was mentioning like a z a association of zoos and aquariums and and places that were beyond California, like who's going to care about leopard shark tagging in California? I said, well, you know, leopard sharks are really common display fish at aquariums all over the country. I mean, I think they, do,
3: it, they mostly do seven-gill, but it's yeah, a, you're it's right. a
2: pretty easy. You know, a lot of people have those cold water Pacific exhibits. So I mean, it's one of those things. Sharks where, in general, they're
3: they're a yeah. What's the word for it?
2: Uh, cool.
3: Yeah. That. no the, the the big sciencey word for it they're they're charismatic megafauna there you go wow charismatic megafauna
2: so you're saying they're cool
3: pretty much in
2: in many more syllables than, than right cool. on well i'm glad i finally and got you're gonna to, go uh, see
3: one of the biggest ones actually you're gonna go see the biggest fish in the world
2: hopefully don't jinx me but yeah we'll good see luck. good luck i uh don't I'm get getting a ride off. from you tomorrow to the airport. Yeah, so. and you're getting
3: a ride from me right now to go pick up your car. So we I'll, go.
2: I'll grab the uh, recorder tomorrow, and hopefully right. I get some good stuff while I'm out there. We'll see.
3: Let's get you moving out of here.
2: All right, let's go see some whale sharks. All
3: right, until next time, this is Amazing James. This
2: is Fish Guy Josh. And, and this, this is FN, F'n West.
0: West. OPC. Mm, like those guys.
1: Yeah, What uh, the outdoor podcasting channel, right?
0: Yeah and we are, are we're part of that. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah, I mean the great thing about it is it's every single day on one podcast you get actually you know eight or nine shows.
1: Mm, yeah.
0: So if if you don't want to subscribe to the fish nerd and bow hunter podcast and Carrie Z's hunt fish travel but you want to hear all those shows, just subscribe to the Outdoor Podcast channel, and you'll get every single day a new show, including the Fish Nerds.
1: Yeah. Did I see – you shared something about sort of like outstanding aggregators or compilers. It was some, some news story that had the Outdoor Podcast channel in it.
0: Yeah, we are cutting edge, man. Uh, yeah. Jay Scott from the Big Buck Registry was interviewed about this, and we are – the Outdoor Podcast channel is cutting edge. We're the only ones doing the kind of work we're doing with the outdoor world. Which is multiple shows all on one feed. There you go. So it allows to simplify your podcast feed. Yeah.
1: So you know podcast feed. It's, sort of the the, yeah. the teat of the digital
0: world. Yeah, so latch on to the OPC. <laughs> Drink heavily with the OPC.
1: Fish in the news.
0: I love fish in the news.
1: <laughs> fish in the news. We have a couple of good stories here. First of all, Florida Man, that's, that's the beginning of this title, which anything that starts with Florida Man has got to be.
0: Usually, usually ends with someone not wearing pants or having some kind of animal in their pants.
1: <laughs> exactly. That's,
0: I would say nine out of 10 Florida stories. That's how they go.
1: <laughs> well, this one comes to us from boingboing.net.
0: Wow, quality news sites, Dave. We really <laughs> step up their game on this one. Digging deep.
1: Um, yeah, right. Florida man catches 400 pound Goliath grouper with a wrench. <laughs> Excuse me, with a wrench, a wrench. Now let's what What kind of wrench? <laughs> a box end wrench. It was a size 11 metric. It's really
0: important to know. Yeah, I know. Yeah. Uh, and
1: there's a, <laughs> there's a whole video story. It actually originated from an ABC news channel, um, and the little blog post here on Boing Boing says his tool of choice, a do-it-yourself wrench lure. It's a wrench, string, and two fishing hooks. So what he, what he did was he took a number 11 metric, and the box end, he just tied two heavy lines and put two, they looked to be like, I don't know, six-aught hooks on it.
0: That's amazing. Now, you've in, you, you were doing this for years, Dave. I, I,
1: I had my, fl- I, my flatware series.
0: Yeah, I've seen you do a butter knife like this way.
1: Right, exactly.
0: And, and all I ever did was tangle our lines. <laughs> I know. It should have worked. It should have.
1: It should have worked. Um, this guy, Ryan Hine, was able to reel mm-hmm. in a 400-pound Goliath grouper while fishing in St. Petersburg area. And in the video segment, he talks about how he had just dropped the wrench down. It was his first attempt at using it. Dropped it in the water, jigged it three times, and this 400-pound fish hit it. That's amazing. Yeah, yeah I know.
0: I don't, I don't even know what a 400-pound fish means. <laughs> like it, to me, that's it's such an insanely big animal. <laughs> like just I know to catch to catch on a string. Like you really think about it, like I caught a four hundred pound fish with a piece of string and a wrench. I
1: know. I
0: and know. MacGyver would be very proud of this guy.
1: <laughs> well, the fish must must be pissed. Yeah, <laughs> it's like oh, really, man. This is how I'm gonna meet my end.
0: Oh, uh, now do people eat goliath groupers?
1: I, I don't think it's legal, uh, to tell you the truth. Um,
0: God, I would. I would imagine the stress of a fish that big coming up would be would just wreck the fish.
1: You would think, although it's so big, you could probably. Yeah beat it up pretty good and it'd still be okay
0: i guess it's not coming up fast
1: right so it has
0: time to acclimate
1: and it's fairly shallow I, i think they're fairly shallow water fish it's not like you're pulling up a tile fish or something like that from the very very bottom
0: that's true but man like a wrench
1: a wrench yeah a number 11 he was quoted as saying a lot of mechanics i know don't really use a number 11 for anything
0: wow and and so if he could go back and do it again would he use a different wrench
1: uh Yes, because he lost that wrench.
0: Oh, right, but but hindsight is twenty twenty. <laughs> right, you see what I did? Do you see what I did there?
1: Uh, no, yeah.
0: I did Jerry Hine was his name, or Ryan Hine was his name. So, yeah, hindsight. Oh. Yeah, I've been saving that. You know,
1: it's it's <laughs> it's hindsight, right?
0: Right, right, but this is a show that's not written.
1: Yeah. Okay. Uh, <laughs> he said some jigs can cost twenty dollars. I was just looking for a way to make a jig without spending a lot of money. And he did it. How much are wrenches? Uh, they're not. You know, if you buy like the cheap China ones, um, they're like four or five bucks probably.
0: Wow. Now we have one more thing to try, Dave.
1: I know. Just start yep. throwing the toolkit down there.
0: There it is. Yeah. Yep.
1: It just shows, though, if somebody gets snotty and snooty and said, oh, I only use a number, blah, 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 with a blah, blah, blah to catch grouper, you could say, yeah, right. You know, you could throw, you could throw your toolbox down there and catch them.
0: And sure enough. Yeah, you
1: could. There it is. That's amazing. Yeah, good you for him. Go. There you go. Uh, our next story comes from LiveScience.com.
0: Ooh, good, because dead science is just full of zombies.
1: Yeah, it is. It is sort of slow, that dead science. Uh, This comes to us from the staff writer, Laura Giggle. (laughs) Um, Why don't fish have necks?
0: The one question no one ever really thought about.
1: I know. Why don't they have necks? Uh, She writes, fish have fins and gills, but they don't have necks. And that's Mm. partly because it would be difficult to swim quickly with a neck that waggled back and forth in the water, Mm. is what she says.
0: All right. I, I, Yeah. All right. Let's hear it out.
1: All right. What's, <laughs> All right. What's more, she says, anything called a fish, by definition, can't have a neck. The moment a fish-like creature developed a neck, it became classified as another type of animal.
0: No. Really?
1: That's what experts told Live Science. Oh,
0: I got to hear more about this. The oldest neck- so, so a neck eliminates you from the fish category?
1: Apparently, yes. Really? I don't know. I don't, I, I'm just saying. So the no. oldest neck on record belongs mm-hmm. to Tiktaalik rosea, mm-hmm. a creature that lived 375 million years ago. <clears throat> Scientists describe T. rosea as part fish, part tetrapod. That's a four-limbed animal. Um, and they found a a guy named Ted Dashel, a curator at, of paleontology at the Academy of Natural Sciences of Drexel University.
0: Raw fancy pants.
1: I know, in Philadelphia. Um, <clears throat> excuse me, boy. My neck is causing you know my, uh, yeah, my evolutionary yeah. tissue.
0: This is why fish don't have sore throats. That's
1: right. That's right. That's why you never hear them clear their throats. Um, nope. <laughs> instead of necks, fish have a series of bones that connect the skull to the shoulder girdle, which attaches to the fins. Hmm. And Dashel says the shoulder girdles are those bony elements like the clavicle and the scapula that support the front appendage, whether it's a fin or a limb. That's what he says. Okay. okay.
0: Well, I believe him. I, I don't understand it, but I believe him. <laughs> what do i know
1: (laughs) but apparently yes if if something has a neck it can't be a fish according to
0: did 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 any so but so they're tetrapods but like what are they those things yeah i
1: don't know 375 million years ago who cares
0: right but they went from being fish to any four-legged animal what are they are they amphibians are they reptiles what are they (laughs) i don't know well, there's a hole in the story.
1: No, there's not. Right. It goes into this. Do you really want me to go into this? They have a picture no, of it. I see it. Yeah, see, that was the thing. I didn't want to get into it. All right. Because you know, it's into it. But it's it's basically a, a one of those old flippery looking things.
0: Yeah, it looks like a salamander. Yeah, that's what <laughs> yeah. it is. Like I said, well, how three, do you like that? Three hundred seventy-five million years ago.
1: I mean, I God. Donk.
0: That's a long. So time. So are, are are there any modern f- examples of fish developing next step? Like, oh, up, you're no longer a flounder. Sorry, buddy.
1: <laughs> Congratulations.
0: <laughs> you've, you've evolved. You're now a tetrapod. Yeah, yeah
1: I don't. I don't think so. Mm. I don't know. There, there probably is, right? Because we've learned in the fish world that there's always some exception. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if there's some exception. Although I wouldn't be surprised if there wasn't.
0: What we learned in the fish world is we never say all fish dot, dot, dot. Right. Because we seem to always find an example of fish that breaks the rules.
1: Yeah. There's fish that, that reproduce with no males. There's fish mm-hmm. that, um, you know, that you can that catch.
0: Bree- that Even I can catch. They <laughs> breathe air. They walk. They do all kinds of stuff. So right. Yeah. Exactly. That's why, that's why we like them. Yeah. Yeah. That are t- are th- but are there fish that are tetrapods?
1: Uh, Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I don't know either. Lung fish probably get close.
0: Probably, but they don't have necks.
1: No, they don't. They're nope. necklace wonders. That's right. Um, so there you go. That's, that's our two fish in the news for
0: this week. Good ones. Dave. <laughs> I'm, so tired. I'm so tired of you being that guy.
1: Uh, I'm tired of you being
0: that guy. I know. Well, I'm always that guy. And that guy is the guy who doesn't know what he's supposed to do. (laughs) So we have a segment here contributed to us from Matt Acri from Folly Beach, South Carolina. He took me fishing on his boat last year, and then he sent me this link called How to Not Be That Guy When Invited to Fish on a Friend's Boat. So I'm wondering how many rules did I break on his boat? (laughs) All right. Well, we, All right. So, yeah, that's yeah.
1: that's a, that, that's good. So you got a list. So why don't you why, why don't you start Yeah. Now, thrifting.
0: a little bit of me is offended. I'm just saying. <laughs> I like it's like it's like passive aggressive.
1: Oh, yeah.
0: You know what I mean? Like it's uh, yeah. I don't
1: know. Yeah, we had a great time and oh, by the way, look at this article. I'm just saying.
0: Right. So, this is what to do if a guy invites you or a person invites you to fish on their boat. Here's the rules. Okay. All right, and there's just like a list of ten rules. We're gonna go through them kind of fast, and we'll. Here it is. First of all, uh, food. Don't be the guy that brings one bag of pretzel rods for a full day of boating. Uh, it's essentially, saying bring extra food. <laughs>
1: okay. Well, that that makes sense. You should always have enough to share.
0: Yeah. Always. Now, um, I am that guy. <laughs> like I don't bring. I always don't bring enough food. Oh. Uh, yeah. Remember when we fished with Captain Sean?
1: I know exactly what you're gonna say.
0: You and I did not bring anything to I eat. No. <laughs> but but the, the guys who came out with us have must have read this article because they brought like ten extra sandwiches.
1: It was unreal how much food they brought.
0: Yeah, and they were right. Yeah,
1: they were so. they were. And do you remember that like bag of Twizzlers?
0: Uh yeah, but I don't eat Twizzlers.
1: I know, but it was like a like a Sam's Club uh you know, bushel of Twizzlers. Huge. Yeah,
0: yeah. So, uh, Although in high school, I used to take Twizzlers. I'd bite the ends off them and use them for straws to drink my soda. Uh, well, of course. Duh. Double down on the sugar that way. Yeah. yeah. So number two, drinks. Always bring twice what you can drink. And that's about, again, it goes back to same as food. It's about sharing.
1: Yeah. It is about sharing. So twice yeah. what you
0: can drink. Right. So yeah
1: yeah very good. The so next one camel bring two camels <laughs> bring two camels. the next yeah. one uh, guests, and mm-hmm. it said, Did you tell the captain you were bringing a friend, dog, or child on their boat?
0: uh yeah, this is a tough one, Dave.
1: no, it's not <laughs>
0: no it's easy <laughs> no it's
1: it's easy right um, well,
0: you, so you don't have wife and kids who want to come on a boat with you. <laughs> So I struggle with this. I get invited to go fishing, and I'm like, yeah, I'll go. And then I tell Kristen or the kids, and like, oh, can we come? I'm like, I don't know. (laughs) And then I have to, like, make the call to the captain and say, can I bring my wife and kids?
1: And then you got kids, and yeah.
0: Yeah, and they always say yes, of course, but do they want to? We'll never know.
1: Well, uh, unless they send you articles
0: after. Right. <laughs> well, it's funny because the guest I brought brought on Matt Acrey's boat was my mother-in-law. <laughs> so you know,
1: Yeah. yeah. All right, I'm just saying it's it's right there, number three.
0: Yeah. Anyway, if you bring guests, bring extra extra drinks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. Exactly. Well, what about yeah. number four? Was anything? What did we did? You do number four?
0: Uh, you know, I don't smoke. Oh. Not not a problem. Yeah. Uh, But what I would never do is tell a captain not to smoke.
1: Oh, yeah. You don't want to do that. You know,
0: that's not in there. This says, you know, if you smoke, ask first. Uh But it should also say don't hassle the captain because it's their boat.
1: Right. Well, yeah, that that is true. And then at the very end of this uh, thing, it says never throw your butts in the water. That's fair. That's totally fair. And, you know, smokers, fine. You know, secondhand smoke, you're killing me too. Fine. Mm -hmm. You, know, you, you dick you dick you suck <laughs> but fine i can live with that the thing that makes my head explode is when they flick the butts everywhere
0: yeah that's crazy it's like why is there a disconnect why can't
1: why does that not register as littering to you in your head
0: i don't know and and i've talked to some who do it and they're like oh i buy biodegradable you know filters mm. I'm like, okay, so can I throw all my paper out the window?
1: I know. You know? Throw all my crap out the window?
0: Yeah. Now, now, do you ever litter at all, Dave? Do I Is ever? Anything you throw out the window or off a boat, any kind of thing? Chewing gum. Chewing gum. So food items. Yep. Yeah. I, I frequently will throw food out my window or off the boat, <laughs> but not the wrappers that come in. Oh, God, no. So No. Yeah. Um, so, well, that brings us right to number five, which is littering. So we, oh, I think we just said, yeah.
1: Yeah. So it's, uh, basically never throw anything in the water.
0: Yep. And it even says orange rinds, peanut shells, no big deal. So there it is. There you go.
1: Although I there heard I heard just tonight on the radio that orange peels out in nature mm-hmm. uh, last for three years. Okay. So just, just saying, you know, three years, that's nothing to sneeze at.
0: That is nothing to sneeze at, right? And, uh, by the way, really nice for keeping ants out of your garden. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently for three years. (laughs) Apparently. Yeah, tear them up, throw them them in your garden, and ants hate them.
1: Yeah, there you go. Number six, be prepared. Mm -hmm. So be sure you've brought all you need for fun in the sun. This includes sunscreen, sunglasses, chapstick, towel, everything.
0: Yeah. Um, Yeah, I, I never prepared.
1: Yes. <laughs> yeah. Problematic. Number 7. The captain. And the article says, "Okay, here's the deal. The captain is in charge of the boat." The captain Captain may not always be the one in the driver's seat, but they're the one that's in charge of
0: the boat. I think that's reasonable. Oh. And, and I've never had a problem here. Yeah. I'm always I always defer to your boat, your rules.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good.
0: Yeah. Uh, my favorite eight, safety. Uh, if you feel the the, the uh, hold my beer and watch this moment coming up, just say no. I struggle with this, Dave. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. No. So far, I've been pretty good. Now, on Captain Sean's boat, I had the urge to get in the water and take shark pictures.
1: Um, yes.
0: I'm yeah. glad, glad uh, you didn't do that. Yeah, if it was my boat, I probably would have gotten in the water and taken shark pictures. Wow. Uh, and even in, when I was fishing with Matt Akery, Ac- there was an urge to jump off the boat a couple of times, <laughs> but I did not do it. Mm, so, good. yeah. Yeah. So anyway, be safe. Don't be stupid. You're on their boat.
1: Yeah. That makes sense.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: Number nine,
0: passenger etiquette. Yeah. I mean, this should be obvious stuff. This one.
1: Yeah. Don't step on the seats, you know, only step on hard surfaces leave the coolers on the floor don't bring broken glass keep don't your... bring
0: broken glass in the boat break it when you get there <laughs> leave your <laughs> leave your used
1: hypodermics on the beach where everybody else leaves them yeah yeah that makes sense
0: yeah i love this my favorite though is don't try to help unless the captain asks you mm. Uh and I I like that a lot because you know you think you're doing something but they have a routine on these boats. They're small space, they know what they're doing and you're really in the way 9 out of 10 times. Right. So yeah. when they're doing stuff just get out of the way.
1: And we we've experienced this with the uh when we have a charter, you know somebody is is that's their job. They really don't want you to do anything. No. And uh Which is weird. it's they, weird they even take
0: the fish they even take the fish off the hook for you
1: yeah it's it's actually a little more than I feel comfortable
0: with, but um, right, but they they love it,
1: that's what they do, so yeah, there you go uh oh, number ten,
0: hmm uh, don't be late uh i I don't have a problem here, I'm never late for anything
1: you are rarely late
0: yeah i I don't do late very well
1: yeah you don't don't do late very well. I was yeah. late with Captain Sean,
0: so. yeah. Oh, and main tuna fishing. Yeah, uh, he didn't like that. No, he got all
1: bent out of shape about that.
0: Yeah, yeah. but it's funny because he was nice to you about it. If it was me, he would have beat the hell out of me. Like, like not not physically, but he would have verbally beat me up. Mm-hmm. And I'm scared of Captain Sean, <laughs> as we all. Should I, be. I don't I don't know what to do with Captain Sean. I I like him. Uh, he takes me fishing, but he scares the hell out of me. Like I get so – I'm so nervous
1: around him. Yeah. Um, no, I – you know, the, when I went to Kittery Trading Post, I ran into Sean, um, and it, it's just great to uh, always run in. You know, when you have people you run into and they always say, hey, how you doing? It's, that's always nice. Yeah.
0: And he's that guy.
1: He is that guy. It's great. For you. So, um. <laughs> Uh, all right. Next, and Lindsay too. Don't I don't want to forget Lindsay. She was there. Did the same thing. Right. Um, right. She's great. Yeah. Uh, number nine or eleven. The last one.
0: Yeah. Uh, disembark. Stay out of the way. Pick up your stuff. But sit down until the boat's docked. Yeah. Easy stuff. Right. All right. Uh, and then, and then, of course, not numbered. It should be in there. Number twelve is not number twelve. Offer to pay for gas.
1: Mm, that's a good one.
0: Yeah. Everyone I've ever offered says no, but offer anyway.
1: Yeah. It's just, you know, just polite.
0: Yeah. By the way, if I take someone fishing and they offer to pay for gas, I say, yes, <laughs> I will take your money.
1: So, <laughs> yeah. yeah. So what do you think? But, well, what do
0: I think? Yeah.
1: Why, why did he send you
0: this article? I think I screwed up. In what way? Which one? Well, I didn't bring enough snacks. Mm-hmm. Uh, I drank his water and Gatorade. Oh, uh, oh, oh. And, and I think I shared his lunch with him. So, yeah. <laughs> fail.
1: Yeah. Yeah. You, you forgot but the mother in law.
0: I, I left her behind. <laughs> I disembarked and I left her on the boat. And now all she's going to hear about in, in is politics. Yeah. And by the way, uh, she listens to this show. Hi, <laughs> Steve. Uh, hi, Mumsy. I call her Mumsy. Yeah. Nice. Nice. Yeah, she's great though. She she's she's always up for an adventure. So, Kristen and my kids and I went to Virginia Beach, as everyone knows. We've been talking about it for months. This is back in February, mm, wow. and we were invited to go to Croc's Nineteenth Street Bistro, uh, a certified green restaurant, and eat. And uh, they fed us for free, Dave. Oh, that's cool. That is cool. That wasn't a deal. We just offered to come to a show about them. We thought we were going to be paying, but uh, <laughs> anyway, so they invite us in. They, the chef, Matt Knack, who, by the way, uh, did you ever read McCloskey books?
1: I, I did. Yes, yes, I have.
0: Yeah, it reminds me of Robert McCloskey books. <laughs> you know, the Make Way for Duckling. Do you remember the ducks' names?
1: Yeah, Whack, Quack, Flack, Zack, Matt, Nick, Jack, yep. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> anyway, they invite us up for dinner. We had a great meal and a good time. Uh, and here is the story. Hi, Kristen. Hey, Clay. So we're hanging out here at our house up in New Hampshire. Reminiscing of our February vacation trip down to Virginia Beach. Um, we went there for one reason only. What was the reason? To swim. To swim. and How, How'd that go? Uh,
7: there was a nice indoor pool. There
0: was. It was so uncomfortable and inc- so cold.
7: Incredibly cold. It was colder in Virginia than it was in New
0: Hampshire, which I is, think. Which is terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And we, we totally expected different. We didn't bring heavy clothes yeah. and, yeah. Yep. But luckily, there's plenty of indoor things to do.
7: Including amazing restaurants. Oh,
0: food. The seafood at Virginia Beach.
7: That's
0: right. And, and one of the great things about being a fish nerd, and, and you may be seeing this now, mm-hmm. is we get to eat food. We do. And when we call a restaurant up and say, hey, where did we do this podcast... They're they're nice to invite us in. We called. Before
7: we looked into restaurants, we visited the Virginia Aquarium. We sure did. You can listen to the podcast from a few weeks ago, find out more about that. And while visiting the aquarium, we found out about the Sensible Seafood Program. And so when looking for a place to eat, we decided, let's check out one of these restaurants that participates in the program. And so I searched around and i found one that not only participated in the program they have an organic garden they grow their own food and they have drag brunch on sundays
0: oh and if only we knew on Sunday about the drag Unfortunately, brunch.
7: Unfortunately, I found out about this restaurant on a Monday.
0: I know. I, I left my drag clothes at home anyway. <laughs> I <was so>
7: really <laughs> disappointed about uh, that. However, I, by the way,
0: it would have been so much fun to bring your dad to drag brunch.
7: Oh, or really uncomfortable. Like, um, so much fun. So much fun. But any restaurant that has all three of those things is just guaranteed to be a win, um, and it was lose. absolutely the place we needed to go.
0: And and we did, and we met uh, the owner, and we, we got invited back, and we got to hang out with Chef Matt Knack.
8: We're making, uh, we're going to start you off with tuna bites, uh, hot pepper tuna bites, um, then we're going to do seafood risotto and shrimp and grits. Seafood risotto and <laughs> shrimp and grits. So these are Three of our most popular items, other than the five pepper tuna steak, I figured we'll do tuna bites, and then we'll do more secret other than just tuna. Why not? If you're on a diet, don't come here or get a salad, because we we love butter, we love fattest flavor. That's uh, it's one of the first things you learn. Basically, with tuna bites, um, as you said, butter in your pan. Um, we'll get it really hot. Cause you want to serve. We serve our tuna bites medium rare. Um, so the hotter the pan, the better. Um, um, you can buy it in the grocery store. It's Chef Paul's Redfish Magic. Um, we call it Fat Man in a Can. Um, Fat so Fat Man in a Can. Fat Man in a Can. So just add a little this, a little
0: spice to it. And you put the spice right in the pan on the bottom
8: that makes it coat the fish even. It's not, you're not just, you know, if I season it in just the top, the bottom won't be seasoned. So if you get it in the liquid or whatever you're cooking in, oil, you know, butter, whatever, um, it kind of, it'll be able to coat easier. So we'll just kind of throw that in there. And it'll take about two minutes, tops. So, it looks great. I'm a big fan of garlic, so. I have to. Garlic and everything, um, it's healthy. And, and I tell everybody who's, you know, at-home cooks, with, especially with seafood, light salt, because it's in the ocean, it's in salt water, so you don't need a lot of salt. Um, that's, where a, lot. that's where a lot of people go wrong with seafood, is they... It's too salty, and that's pretty much... It's not, it's not the fish's fault, it's your fault, because you added the salt to sure, it. Sure. So right? Yeah. How dare they? How dare they? Um... Our, our tuna bites are pretty much done. Um, Those are great. If, I mean, of course, if you want them more well done or, you know, more cooked, absolutely cook them as long as you like. Make a little pile. Smells smell is really, really good. Yeah. That's, that's the first thing you eat with your nose and your eyes first, so. Okay, what is that sauce here? This is our uh, five pepper sauce. Fire pepper? Five pepper. Oh, five pepper. <laughs> it, is, it is not that spicy. It's more of like a, a kind of heat and a sweet kind of thing. So right here, we got our seafood risotto going really nice. We'll just add a little bit of white wine. And I always like, especially with like you know delicate stuff like uh, you know uh, scallops. I try to um, just kind of cover it a little bit, just so it kind of steams. And actually, you'll get a really cool picture when we open it; you'll have a big cloud of steam coming out. Oh, nice! Thing. The dramatic. Yes. You know, too bad we don't have too much seafood dishes with fire, because chefs we love flambeing everything. So basically that's just this dish, I I try to keep everything simple, not over spice anything. So with the shrimp and grits I'm just honestly doing butter, garlic and Old Bay. Saute it we'll add a little bit of heavy cream and then we'll be good to go. And just kind of coat
0: it. We asked Matt to tell us about his sustainable restaurant and why they do what they do.
8: I've been the chef here for about five years. We try to do as much to give back to the environment as we can. Um, we are we one of the first partners with the Sustainable uh, Seafood Program. We are actually the first certified green restaurant in the state of Virginia. We have uh, solar panels on our roof that run our hot water heaters and part of our kitchen. Um, all our carpeted are from recycled products. All our wood are recycled. Um, the Sustainable Seafood Program, we're partners in that. Uh, we have a full garden in the back um, that we try to grow all our own produce throughout the year. Wintertime's kind of hard. But even even in the wintertime, we do try to grow, like we will grow kale, carrots, radishes, um, things that are more sturdy to weather. Um, but uh, springtime's my favorite time is because that's when the garden is completely full and it's, it's gorgeous and every, every bed's full and you got beautiful tomato plants coming in and pretty much everything. And summertime, some, spring and summertime, it's pretty much guaranteed. Every, um, every produce, every vegetable is coming from that garden, which is really cool. It saves the restaurant a lot of money, and it gets my guys involved in farming. I, when I hire people, I'm like, you're, not, you're just not going to be a cook. You're going to be a farmer. You're going to be a gardener. You're going to do all these different things that you wouldn't normally do in a restaurant.
0: So we asked Matt, what, what's the go-to thing? What's the one thing you think everyone who comes to Virginia Beach should be eating?
8: On our menu right now, um, we're doing tuna, um, a wild-caught U.S., um, so it's, it's definitely sustainable. Um, I think it's a good alternative right now. Really, but the go-to one, our most popular dish in the restaurant would be the five-pepper tuna. It's our staple dish. Um, we've been around for 20 years, and I think it's been on the menu for 15 of those years. So, um, How long I didn't, have you been here? I've been here nine years. I started as an extern in culinary school, so I worked from the bottom all the way up. So it was I was, you know, the salad guy and kind of just stuck around and Cal couldn't get rid of me, so.
7: I've never worked in restaurants. I don't know how the whole thing works.
8: Hey, by the way, it's terrible working in restaurants. It's, <laughs> it's
0: terrible working. I
7: watch Gordon Ramsay. I, yeah, I, it's just I, like that. I don't want anything to uh, do with Matt it. Matt was
0: throwing stuff around the kitchen. It was awful. He was yelling yeah. at me. Yeah.
7: No. Um, So I don't know how restaurants work, but, you know, I know the vegetables are fresh. They come from the garden out back. um, And I wanted to know, how do you ensure that the seafood is fresh?
8: How I plan my menus, I'll sit down with my reps, because I I go through Cisco and Waterside. um, Mainly Waterside with seafood, because they're a seafood company, Cisco, not as much, but... um, so I kinda just sit down with them and I'm like, all right guys, what's in season? What's this? they know um, that they better not do a void list or anything. If it's not sustainable, we don't want it on our menu. Yeah. And we've had some slip ups sometimes yeah. where I didn't really look into something and immediately got off like we did it as a special, not like menu items, yeah, yeah, but I um I mean, it's, it's, it's hard because you do have those people who are like, why don't you serve this? Well, it's not sustainable. Well, what does that mean? And then you have to like, sit down and explain to it. And actually, right. once you explain it to them, they kind of understand. We try to get the freshest seafood as possible. And luckily, I have good sources in this area being so close to the ocean. And having Rudy Inlet down here, we can you know just go down there and be like, what did you get today? A lot of a lot. Since it's so cold outside, I I, I joke with them. I'm like, "So you're not going out because it's cold?" They're like, "No, we're just not catching anything." Um, so it's it's a it's a fun little relationship that I get to have with like all all of them. So,
0: so one of the things we like to talk about on the show a lot, Christian, is we like to talk about eating invasive species. Mm-hmm. And so we asked Matt about the uh, the Eat a Ray, Save the Bay campaign.
8: It was the Chesapeake Bay. They were they were having a big problem with a uh, bay ray. Yes. So they decided to go start commercially fishing it, and uh, yeah, we we serve that on the menu. Um, it was a it was a different it was a different fish. Uh, it wasn't my favorite fish. Um, it's very unique, um, but it it kind of didn't pan out. It, it really didn't taste good. It was kind of was, it, it was it was it was a little muddy. But I mean. It was it was one of those things, either you loved it or you hated it. And we had people who loved it. So, And yeah. I still get customers that come in and, like, you don't have the Ray anymore? I'm like, no, I don't. Well, if you had
0: so. it, we'd be all on it. Just because yeah. of that notion of eating something odd. Mm-hmm.
8: So now we want
0: to get into the nitty-gritty, Kristen. We wanted to know why you cook seafood and and why do people have so much trouble with it. You know, people should be eating more seafood. So Matt had a very strong opinion about this.
8: See, seafood is one of the hardest things to cook, right? It's it's very delicate. It's it's fragile. It's it overcooks like that. It undercooks really easily too. So, I I I just say the faster the better. Um, try not to overcook anything. Um, I mean, honestly, you can even serve you know salmon you know medium. Like, you yeah. don't have to. You don't have to overcook everything. We like,
0: overcook it, dry it out, like, wrecks it. Yeah,
8: and like sauce. my scallops, we probably serve that medium rare to medium. You want. You don't want to lose everything of, in the in the flavor, and right. cooking it out will release all that.
0: Now, Matt clearly loves working in the restaurant, which is great because I've worked in restaurants. I don't love it. You never worked in restaurants.
7: No, never back to the house. No,
0: but I tell you what. When you meet someone like Matt, who's energized, excited. Loves what they do, and it makes you want to do it. Like hanging out in the kitchen and talking to Matt, I wanted to do that job.
7: It's you know, um, it made me want to eat there again and again. It I it no, I I still have no interest in.
0: You don't want to work there,
7: working in the kitchen,
0: <laughs> right? But, but Matt, eating there right. again. But Matt loved it, and and here's what here's his advice to people who want to work in that industry.
8: It's 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 fun industry if if you can absolutely. Do sustainable, local, organic—absolutely do it. Um, at first, you might view it as being more expensive, but in the long run, it, it really pans out. It it will save you money. It will it, it gets you, if you have a garden, like I said, it gets you know your staff involved. It's it's just hands-on and it's just fun and it gives back to the environment. And I don't I don't see why I think it should be mandatory that restaurants do this because if if we if we keep keep up what we're doing, we're not gonna have uh, food in the future.
7: I love eating out.
8: I, I do too. It's
7: one of my favorite things when I go on vacation. It's what I do. Crocs, it, it's one of my top that I've been to. I mean, the food was amazing. Oh, I think
0: for seafood, I put it in the top five seafood restaurants I've been to. It
7: was really, really good. Right. I mean, and
0: what did we get? What did we actually eat that night? We ate shrimp and grits.
7: We did, which my sister-in-law loves, and I've never ordered because it just makes no sense to me.
0: Well, because usually... I've I've had grits. They're terrible. And they weren't terrible at Crocs. They weren't. We had shrimp and grits, and it was one of my favorite dishes. And we had seafood risotto, which was unbelievably good. And we had tuna bites. So we had these three things, and... And we really got a good feel for the restaurant, and that's going to be our place when we go to Virginia Beach again.
7: Absolutely, and it really it was it was more than the food. It was the the place felt good. It it felt welcoming. It felt modern. It felt it felt
0: great. It's kind of easy to go to restaurant. Kind people, and the again Matt was so kind to us. So great and. We can't thank Croc's 19th Street Bistro enough. So if you're in Virginia Beach, find your way to Croc's 19th Street Bistro and uh, get a nice meal and say hi to Matt for us.
1: That's it. You've listened to a couple of fish nerds when you could have been fishing.
0: We'd like to thank our families for supporting us while we podcast, go on Fishing Quest, and do all sorts of silly things that middle-aged guys do. If you would like to support the fish nerds, go to patreon.com and search for fish nerds to help us crowdfund this show.
1: Special thanks to Chef Knack of <laughs> Crocs 19th Street Bistro. And Effin West, Amazing James, and Fish Guy Josh.
0: Indeed. And until next time, follow the code of the fish nerds, spawn early and often,
1: avoid free lunches with strings attached,
0: and swim against the current every chance you get.